0: Hey, everybody, and thanks for coming back for one of our chats. I am your host, Barry Karolis, and you are listening to Pa de Chat Talking Dance, where I candidly share my 13 plus years of experience in the professional dance world and my analysis and research on all things dance. Today I'm broadcasting to you from the Koresh Dance Company studios in Philadelphia. I'm preparing to head into the studio to teach an advanced contemporary technique class. Whenever the director of uh, Koresh Dance Company, Roni Koresh and his company go on tour, they often call on me to teach some classes. So I'm looking forward to heading in the studio and passing on my craft. I have a little bit of time before I head in and I wanted to chat with you for a little bit. So go ahead and grab that cup of coffee or a latte and have a listen. In today's episode, I will be discussing how professional companies set up their rosters of dancers and what those titles in their ranking systems denote. Um, Much like a sports team on a, a field, dancers have somewhat clear roles on the stage. But unlike a quarterback in football or goalie in soccer, there is a lot more fluidity in the position that a dancer holds. Right at the beginning or even right before a dancer begins their career, they're often in uh, the top level of their schools and they're called pre-professional students. And if you listen, or if you want to know more about pre-professional students, you can actually go listen to one of my sister podcasts, uh, Becoming Ballet. On the Premier Dance Network. But uh, back to the pre professional students. Uh, A lot of companies have schools attached to their organization, and it, it gives kids a chance to develop into professionals and to see a company and to uh, have something to aspire to be and when these students have made their way all the way through the school the top level is the pre-professional division often called the pre-professional division and a lot of times students that are being prepared to join a company they will take on some court de ballet roles which we'll talk about the court de ballet a little bit later but they take on uh, Lesser roles in in productions, whether it be somebody who's standing on the side or somebody who's doing a minor dancing role, pre-professional students can get some stage time to uh, start to learn what it feels like to be on the stage regularly. And most of these pre-professional students are in the school hoping that at one point they will be hired into the company. And the first position that a dancer is generally hired as a, into a company as a professional dancer is the apprentice position. I remember when I was first hired by Stanton Welch at my very first job with Houston Ballet. And... I thought that I was automatically a professional because I was an apprentice, but uh, during one of our meetings, we were talking and he put it probably the best way that I've heard uh, the position of an apprentice explained. An apprentice is essentially a bridge between a student and a professional dancer. You aren't quite uh, a, a student in a school, but at the same time, you don't know how a company functions. So the apprenticeship is really used to teach one their craft kind of like in the old days how an iron worker wouldn't have an apprentice just go straight ahead into working the iron but they might have them sit and watch for a while or they might have them do more menial tasks so in a ballet company an apprentice may just like the pre-professional student be standing on the side of the stage for production or they might get to do some of the lesser roles uh, but that also doesn't mean that an apprentice can't be put into a more featured role. Uh, I've seen apprentices that have a lot of potential to even get pushed into featured soloist or principal roles. But we'll talk about those in a second. The next rank on the ladder of a, a professional company is the corps de ballet. And uh, as many of you probably already know, ballet terms come from the, the French language. Um, and corps de ballet means body of the ballet. And that's what most dancers are in this position. As a part of the body of the ballet, they really fill up the stage. So if there are group dances, say, for instance, in Swan Lake, all of the swans, for the most part, are going to be filled with core dancers. You may have some apprentices and pre-professional students who are getting a chance to work their way up into the core. But for the most part, you're going to have core de ballet dancers performing roles like that. Now, while you are performing the role of a core dancer in rehearsals, there are going to be opportunities for some dancers to step up just a little bit. This is where that fluidity comes in that I was talking about before. A dancer isn't only relegated into the role that they are assigned in their rank, they are going to start to get tested to see if they should be moving up, to see, it, it, it's, it can be a sink or, sw- sink or swim <laughs> type of situation. So uh, the first type of role that a quarter ballet dancer might move up into would be a, called a demi-soloist role. Um, and in some companies, they there are people who have this rank more, this is more common in European companies, um, and other times they, they'll call this position a second soloist, or Cory Fee, C-O-R-Y-P-H-E-E, with an accent over one of the E's, um, but in the United States we mostly say demi-soloist, and a demi-soloist role would be a dancer that uh, steps out of the core, but generally performs mostly core roles. For instance, in the full-length classical ballet Giselle, in the second act, one of the lead characters is Myrta, who is essentially out there to try and take the soul of Albrecht because he broke the heart of Giselle. And she has two uh compadres if you want to call them that that are demi solos roles their names are moina and zolma and they they dance in the core a bit and then at times they also have minor solos nothing that is just them on stage for long periods of time time but they uh will will have a a few moments where they get to step out of the core the next rank in most classical ballet companies would be the soloist. And as I said, in the US we often skip the demi soloist or corife position. Uh, so often a dance will be promoted straight from core to soloist, but if there is a demi-soloist position, they will get moved forward. Um At times, this position can be called first soloist if there is a second soloist position in a company. Um, And in other companies, they will call these dancers sujets. (laughs) Um, And a soloist is exactly, their role is exactly what their title says. These dancers perform roles that are performed as a solo. Many of these solos are a lot of big classical ballets, favorite characters. For instance, in Romeo and Juliet, a soloist might perform the role of Mercutio or Benvolio or Lady Capulet or in A Midsummer's Night Dream, uh, Puck or Hippolyta might be performed by a soloist. Um, Essentially, any role where there aren't too many pas de deux or uh, dances with two uh, would mostly be played by the soloist. Once a dancer has proven that they are capable of performing both core de ballet and soloist roles, they are hopefully uh, promoted to a principal dancer. A principal dancer is essentially the headliner of a company. There can be a few in a smaller company or many in a larger company. Uh, But most of these dancers are going to be performing the title roles in full-length classical ballets. For instance, in Romeo and Juliet, they would perform Romeo and Juliet. If you are watching Swan Lake, the a female principal would perform Odette Odile, which is a dual role, the white swan and the black swan, and the male principal would perform Prince Siegfried. In a contemporary rep, these dancers would probably be responsible for performing one of the main pas de deux, uh, that would be danced between a male and a female dancer. So this is really a, a goal <laughs> of many... Dancers to become a principal because you get the most stage time, you get the most experience, and you also get the most accolades. A principal dancer is essentially the face of a company. You can't get much higher than the rank of principal dancer in the structure of a company. Uh, Aside from in Paris Opera Ballet, where they have the role of, uh, or the rank of etoile, which is the equivalent to the word star. there, there isn't really a higher position. Um, if, if we did want to go one step higher, there is a rare occasion where certain companies will hire a principal guest artist, which is less frequent and usually reserved for genuine stars in larger companies. A principal guest artist is often a principal with another major company somewhere in the world. And in order to... Uh, show the audience a worldwide perspective of dance and also to bring in greater ticket sales, uh, an organization might hire a principal guest artist to perform the leading role in a company. For instance, in the past, uh, Baryshnikov, Mikhail Baryshnikov, was often brought in to dance uh, with companies aside from the, the organizations that he was dancing with. So now that you've heard a little bit about the the structure and the framework of how most ballet companies work, I'm sure that you're probably wondering what it's like uh, when you have a company that's much smaller, or when you are watching a contemporary company, which usually doesn't have the same structure as a classical ballet company. There are a handful of classical ballet companies, even with more dancers, like the Joffrey Ballet in Chicago, that is an unranked company. They don't want any of the dancers to be given the rank of principal soloist or core. So one dancer might perform the title role in one ballet and two months later in the next production, they might be dancing with everybody in the core. Uh, this was m- set up more as uh, the, the former director, Robert Joffrey wanted it set up this way, but uh, but it is more functional when you get into a smaller company or a contemporary company. In smaller or contemporary companies, it isn't really practical to set up this classical structured rank system. If you have 15 dancers and you name four principals, that will only leave you with 11 dancers that can do. Uh, group work so a lot of smaller companies refrain from using this type of ranking system and in more modern contemporary dance companies uh, there's a lot more fluidity between the roles of dancers in these companies so there often isn't rank as well there there often can be an underlying feeling that these dancers are given a little bit more value maybe two or three dancers will perform more of the leading roles in these types of companies. But for the most part, everybody is on the same playing field. And if, and if a choreographer were to come in to work with this company, they could really choose whichever dancers they wish to use. Where in a, a larger company, if a choreographer really liked a principal dancer but didn't want to use them in one of their leading roles, they would probably have to refrain from using that dancer in their piece. In the end, I think that there are many benefits to having a ranked company, and there are also quite a few benefits to having an unranked company. From an insider perspective, it's nice to know where you stand being in a ranked company. Uh, if you're if you're dancing with an unranked company, you may be dancing a leading role and then think that you're really moving forward, but then you're back relegated to dancing core roles constantly. Uh, but in a ranked company, once you get promoted to the level of soloist or principal, you pretty much much know that you're mostly going to be dancing in those types of roles. Internally though as an unranked company dancer there's just lots more opportunity and there I feel like there is a bit more camaraderie amongst company dancers because everybody always knows that they have to work together and that anybody could move forward and anybody could move back at any time. When it comes to being an audience member, I feel that uh, seeing an un- unranked company can sometimes be a bit confusing because everybody is a part of the same group. When you're watching a company that has rank, it's easier to categorize dancers and to sort of know who you're looking for or to pick dancers out and choose your favorites so that when you come back, you can see how they progress. It's also really exciting to be a part of a dancer's progression, seeing them go th- from an apprenticeship into the and then have that big breakthrough moment that thrusts them into a soloist position and hopefully eventually into a principal position. Uh, But also being an audience member, watching an unranked company can allow you to just sit back and enjoy the group of dancers that you're watching on stage. There isn't necessarily an expectation that somebody must be this certain level of dancer. So when somebody really jumps out at you, you don't think, oh, I didn't realize they were just a core member, I shouldn't pay attention to them. Um, So I find that nice coming from that perspective. So with all that said, I hope that you've enjoyed grabbing a cup of coffee. And uh, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule to sit down and talk dance with me. If you've enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and social media networks. Also, be sure to click the links below and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, my name on Twitter is Bariscos, B-A-R-I-S-C-O-S, and on Instagram, where my username is B Corollas, just my my last name and be sure to subscribe to my blog life of a freelance dancer where I've been writing about working as a freelance artist for the past four years and also I have two YouTube channels one is a web series that I've developed and just choreography on the other one additionally if there are any topics that you'd like for me to chat about or if you would like to become a sponsor of this podcast you can reach out to me via my contact page on my website www.barrycorliss.com Thanks for listening and remember to go out and support your local dance scene.